Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I am Jenna Wright, your host, and I'm joined again by Anthony Wright. Anthony, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. This is two weeks in a row for us. Two weeks in a row, the right double whammy. I'm surprised they're letting us do this. Hi. Who knows? Maybe we won't be next week, but nonetheless, we're here. Uh, And this Sunday, as as kind of Matt was talking about in the sermon this week, on B-Sides, we normally talk about the specifics of a sermon, the ins and outs of those things. Uh, But we're actually deriving from that this month to actually think about how do we apply the Beatitudes in our lives? How do we actually live out uh, being people, a people of mercy and justice in our lives to be hearers and doers of the word uh, that are transfer, form, transformed by that word as we're living our lives. And what does that look like? Uh, and today uh, we're going to be focusing on the story of Cindy King, our guest today. Cindy, welcome to uh, the beautiful Liberty Podcast Studio. I believe this is your first time, right? In the studio or in on the st- podcast? Uh, on this studio, the in- Liberty Podcast. I'm sure yes. you've been on a podcast before. This is my first time in the Liberty Studio and the Liberty Podcast. And we know this studio surpasses your wildest imagination. Truly. So, yeah. 100%. Awesome. So we're going to spend some time talking uh, with Cindy as an expert in this this land that is family advocacy and actually uh, stepping into the space of caring for vulnerable kiddos and their families. And what, what does that all look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just going to ask Cindy some questions, learn more about her and then hear about maybe the state of what's going on in that space in our county that our church lives in. Uh, so with that, Anthony, I'll kick it over to you. Why don't we uh, start asking Cindy some questions? Sounds good. Yeah. So if you've been around Liberty at all in the last year or so, you've probably heard Cindy King at least talked about a little bit in conjunction with this initiative because she's been incredibly helpful. I know that I've had a lot of conversations with Cindy about everything um, regarding how we as a church can think through family advocacy ministry and caring for kids. So I just want to say thank you, Cindy. You've been so helpful. Um, it's kind of terrifying waters to wade into at first, not knowing how the world to do this well. You see such a need and it can be staggering and a little bit um, like, like, how can we even approach this? It can feel unapproachable, but your guidance and other people in the KFA arena and other people in our county have been really helpful for us to be like, here's some ways you can plug in and do what you can. So thank you for that. It's been really encouraging, really helpful. Um, So I just want to start off just asking to introduce yourself briefly and what's your role with the Keystone Family Lines? Okay. Well, I guess we already know my name is Cindy King. Yeah. And I've been working with the Keystone Family Alliance for about a year and a half. Hmm. And my role has been the Cumberland County Coordinator. Hmm. So Keystone Family Alliance is county-based. We have a main office in Center County, and then we are slowly spreading out to the 67 counties in Pennsylvania. We are currently in 17 of them. Mm. And however, my role is going to be transitioning at some point in 2024. Um, Part of what we do is the same in every county, and we'll be talking about that. But we also keep asking caseworkers and people involved in, in foster care and adoption saying, what are your needs? Mm-hmm. Are there other ways we could be meeting those needs? 
And a need that keeps coming up over and over and over is good quality training for foster parents, kinship parents, adoptive parents, somebody to walk alongside families in crisis because of the challenging behaviors of children in their home, uh, people to walk alongside, even to train caseworkers in yeah. in the methods that work, because a lot of our caseworkers have been doing this a long time, and the field of trauma-informed care has exploded, yeah. as we can do brain scans, and we've learned so much more. So to train caseworkers, to train churches, now that we're asking families to bring these kids into their homes, and these families are going to bring their kids to church, We well, the last thing we want is for a church to say, we can't handle these behaviors in our children's ministry. Um, I've also been asked to help parents out at schools, at Christian schools, going to IEP meetings. So equipping director for the whole state is what that new role is going to be. Um, We have a goal of having somebody by the end of February, hopefully. So we have been advertising the Cumberland County coordinator position. And I would love to find somebody uh, soon to work with me in that role. Wow. That sounds like a cool, awesome new role. And I'm excited about it. Based on everything that I've heard about you, Sydney, most of your time in our relationship has been spent with Anthony, but like all the stories that I hear about you is that intervention space, that equipping space. It sounds like to me, from what I know of you, that is really near and dear to your heart. Uh, and I guess the question that we have is like, where did that passion come from? Uh, what spurred you on to initially want to step into the space of family advocacy? What What is your story and shape? How's that actually, how did that even come into your life or, or what you're passionate about? That could be a really long answer. Mm. That's okay. So I hear it. I will try not to keep you here all day. But my journey into this space actually started when I was probably about middle school. Mm. And my best friend's family started to do foster care. Mm. And I watched this family who really had nothing. They lived in a very small home. They, they lived very simply but I watched them open up their home and their hearts to children that needed a family. And so that was my first real introduction to foster care. And I started reading books. I was, I was a bookworm and I still am. (laughs) And so, you know, I look at those teenage years when I'm sure most of my friends were not choosing to read books about foster care and adoption. That's Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And that's what I was spending my evenings doing. I knew I was going to be a foster and adoptive parent someday. So when my husband and I were dating, became my husband, when we were dating in college, I told him this, that I was going to be a foster parent someday, which obviously would involve him. And uh, his response was, nope, not for me. Never had any interest. Don't want to raise somebody else's problems. That was how he saw it at the time. Um, Not going to happen. So I thought, well, if he just reads one of my favorite books, that'll do it. So he agreed to his credit because he is not a reader, not somebody that enjoys just picking up a book to read for fun. He read it and he came back and he said, nope, still not for me. So I don't know why neither one of us at that point said then this relationship is just not going to work because you can't do half foster care. You're either both in or you're not. Yeah. But we did. And we got married right out of college. And um His first job, his degree was in psychology and sociology, and you can do very little with that with a bachelor's, Mm -hmm. except social work. So his first job, we were living in Montgomery County, right outside of Philadelphia, and he was working as a foster care social worker in inner city Philadelphia with medically fragile children. That was God's first little, all right, I'm going to move you in the same direction as Cindy. 
Mm-hmm. So we started, he started with that. And uh, I don't think you can do this anymore, but sometimes we would do respite for the kids on his caseload. Um, so we saw that, okay, you know, we can do this short term. Mm-hmm. And then there was a family at our church that was doing short term foster care. So they call it cradle care. Mm-hmm. They don't have it in all areas, but in that area they did. And it was children um, with an adoption agency who had already been matched with a family, already going to be placed with a family, but there was just a little bit of time before the family could arrive. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, this particular agency worked with a lot of military families and a particular base in Brazil. And so obviously it would take them a little while to get to Pennsylvania. So we would have them as short as a weekend, as long as I think our longest was about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So we started doing that even before we had biological children. And it worked because I was teaching, but John was also going to grad school and working part-time. So between us, depending on what day it was, we could we could still have the child there. Or we had several families at church that would help out during the week as well. Mm-hmm. So we did that for a while and then uh, decided that we were going to start a family, except that we experienced infertility. Mm-hmm. So then that was the next step for John to be able to open his heart to this idea of either foster care or adoption. Wow. So at that point, we did start the adoption process. Um I did get pregnant. We ended up having five biological children. So we took a break from doing foster care at that point. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in that process, after four children, we actually moved out here to to Mechanicsburg. Um, So after five children, then John said, okay, let's let's go back. Let's do foster care again. So we did. And we really wanted to see families reunify. That was our heart to help to walk with a mom, dad, reunification. And uh, the first little girl that came into our home, that didn't happen. And so we adopted her. And in the state of Pennsylvania, if you have six children or more in your home under the age of 18, they close your home to adoption. So she was number six. So about a week after her adoption, we got a nice letter in the mail. Thank you for your service in foster care. Your home is now closed. Hmm. So then this was, well, now what? Our homes are so open to this. The other kids are so open to this. We all just want to see more children come through our home. So John and I happened to be at a conference and I started talking to a social worker there, telling her our heart for foster care. What can we do if we have to wait until our oldest is 18? We're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. And she kept nodding her head and she pointed to her trifold display and she said, I actually have some children right here that need a home. And it wouldn't be through foster care. It would be guardianship. Mm -hmm. So this led to a process which led to us bringing a 10-year-old boy into our home. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, we still have too many children in our home to do foster care. So next, God laid on our hearts to do a domestic infant adoption, which we didn't think we were ever going to do because we said there are so many children in foster care. Mm -hmm. Why do we need to go the route of domestic infant adoption? But we did. Mm -hmm. So we brought home um, actually a baby that ended up spending almost three months in the NICU. He was born 15 weeks early. So now we still have too many children, except that our oldest, the same time that we brought this little boy home, our oldest turned 18. So we're starting to get a little smaller, but still not small enough, Hmm. except that the one way that they will make an exception, there are several, and but one way is if there's a kinship situation. And so we got a phone call that the half sister of an adopted child in our home had entered care. Mm -hmm. So we brought in a 15 year old. That was the half sister. And then after that, the caseworker said, well, that went so well, (laughs) which we would not have maybe said that (laughs) at the time. Um, I have another teenager for you. 
And so wow. then that second teenager actually became adopted and an adopted child wow. in our home. And so then that brought us to nine. That wow. is the nine children was, in our home. I was about to say, <laughs> Did uh, you lose track? Uh, I lost track <laughs> yeah. of numbers there and, you know, we're in ministry. So it's been a while since I've had to do exactly. Math. Well, and yeah, I taught true. first grade, so I do first grade math. So through all of that, having to become very trauma informed. And mm-hmm. so I started to learn everything I could about trauma informed care and started leading support groups and trainings, which then led to a local church that was doing a good job with foster care ministry. They had a foster care ministry team. Mm-hmm. So they asked me to be a part of their team Yeah, through doing that for several years. When my boss from center County came down to Cumberland County to talk with that church to say, Hey, I don't, here's what I'm planning to do. I want to take it into every county, but I don't want to step on toes if you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. And the timing was right. Their pastor wow. was actually being called out of state to another ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that was how I started working with Keystone Family Alliance. Wow. Oh, wow. There's so many beautiful things about that story. A couple of them like jump out. Like one, your husband, I love that at the <laughs> beginning. He was not even on board. Nope. <laughs> and then it just seems like God providentially worked work there to be like, you're, you're going to be on board. Yes. Like this is going to happen, yes. which is so cool. And it seems to follow so, like the pattern of so many stories from before of foster families of you start somewhere, you might not be 100% sure where you're going to end. So it's like walking in faithfulness and open handedness and letting the Lord work and it's being like a warm, inviting space for, for kids in crisis. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for serving there. It's, a, it's beautiful to hear like how the Lord has providentially like led you from that space to where you guys are now. So I'm sure your husband right now is probably the biggest opponent of foster care ever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Your biggest supporter yeah. cheerleader too. Yes. And on all of that. But I will also add that he often uses the analogy and he didn't come up with it. We heard it somewhere else in foster adoption circles that when couples consider foster care or adoption, one is typically the break and one is typically the gas pedal. Mm. And it's pretty obvious that I've been the gas pedal the <laughs> whole way through and he's been the break, but he carries that a next step further and says, if we were both the break, we would go nowhere mm-hmm. and we would not be living out God's call for our lives. Mm-hmm. If we were both the gas pedal, we would probably have 30 special needs children and one or both of us would be committed somewhere and probably ditch. divorced. Or, yeah. Yes, because that would just that would have been too much. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that that balance is healthy yes. and, and helpful. And I think so that kind of leads us into our next question of this has been a long journey, a long process, You nine children in, in your home. Um, so how has your journey in that process shaped your life, but also the life of your family uh, as you think about this, this space? Yeah, it started out, like I said, as a desire and a passion that God gave me way back in middle school. Yeah. But it became so much more than that. About 15 years ago, so we had already adopted one at this point. Um I read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan, Mm -hmm. and it was life-changing. It gave a new purpose to what we were doing, that we're not just doing this because Cindy grew up with this passion. We're doing this because, and a couple things from his book, um, one was we, we all get this little blip in the movie of life. And so what are we doing with that blip to make a difference? And we've all been called to make a difference in different ways. This is our way. And and to make it a total lifestyle, not just one pocket of our lives. Yeah. Um, and to make it the, the lifestyle for our whole family. And then uh, the other part of that that really came into play was um, Francis Chan in that book talks about 
the lukewarm church in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how the American church is very similar Mm -hmm. to that. And, and he talked, he goes on to talk about how in most of our Bibles, that's been translated as uh, he will spit us out, but really it should be translated as he will vomit us out. It is so distasteful to God if we are not serving the vulnerable and the broken and if we're not walking into the messiness of life. And so as a family, we just really tried to make that who we are. That is who we are as a family. Not that I think all of my children are going to end up living the same kinds of lives, but I do think they all know that we live in a very broken world. Mm-hmm. And their eyes are open to that and yeah. they will and have found their own places to walk into that. Yeah. And so it was something that we all did that we all had a passion for. I also think that it has shaped my family in that um, people always say, aren't you afraid it's going to wreck your kids? Yeah. No, because it has wrecked them, but in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And so they had to lose their sense, sense of entitlement because we were constantly moving bedrooms around and sharing everything. And we didn't get to go on vacations. Their friends got to go on and they didn't get the newest and latest things mm-hmm. because our resources went somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so they learned to accept others and their differences they I loved the times that they would come home from school and and be talking about a friend who maybe made some poor choices but in that conversation they would say but you know what I know that her parents are getting divorced or they they knew to look behind what they were seeing to know that there was something beneath that and and to meet those needs and so I think it has shaped our family in the best ways it was not always easy There were times that there were some of the older kids were angry. You know, imagine being 18 years old and your parents just brought home a baby and going to college for the first time and mom and dad are trailing behind with a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not exactly most boys in particular idea of a good way to be sent off to college. Um, So we had some rough years, but I, the, the good has outweighed the bad and I, how I see God shaping their lives with a heart for the broken. I couldn't ask for anything else. This is a little off book, but I have a question in my brain that I want to ask. Okay. You. So in this space, so you, you obviously have this beautiful blended family mixture of like adopted, not that we're foster care. We're not like all these things, bio kids. Do you have any cautions maybe for folks that do already have bio kids that are thinking about maybe jumping into these spaces and in some capacity and receiving children into their home? Um, are there any cautions or any maybe ditches since you use the, the car analogy mm-hmm. um, that you you recommend to people when you're having conversations with them when they want to jump into maybe being a foster family? That's a good question. And I wish there was one flat answer Mm -hmm. for every family. Uh, But really, it's so often that gets asked of me in the what do we do about the birth order question. So if there are already kids in the in the home, should we make sure that we don't mess with the birth order? And honestly, that's where we were in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We will keep the birth order we have, we will add on to at the end of the family, we will, you know, but then God asked us to bring a 10 year old. And then then the 15. Right. And so, so while I this is what I usually say, you need to know your family. Mm -hmm. You need to know to the best of your ability, the child that you're thinking about bringing in. So if there's a situation, they're going to tell you what they know, and it's not going to be everything, but you're going to try to weigh that. And so, you know, your children, that child, and you know, your family, Mm -hmm. you know, your capabilities. Um, 
if we had started with teenagers, I don't think we would have gone any further than that. That that's a tough one. They can be amazing, but you know, any teenager teenager can be tough. And yeah. so imagine yeah. being I a, was teenager. a jerk as a teenager. <laughs> That's another podcast for another day, right? <laughs> but imagine being a teenager who at some point somebody said, um, yeah, this isn't working anymore. I'm taking you to children and youth. You're mm-hmm. going to have a new home. And then often what that means is in a couple of months, you're in a new home. You're and then, you know, yes. one of the children who came to our home, we were child number 10. Wow. I have a family in number 10 in two years. In so two in years. two years. So imagine, just imagine, you know, as an adult, if I had to go through that many friendships in two years, I would begin yeah. to think some things I mean, about if myself. I, if I had to move 10 times it, in the last two years, I would be very upset. Exactly. Yeah. We wouldn't exactly. like each other very much. Exactly. Yeah. And you begin to internalize that as mm-hmm. anybody would in a teen, teenager and not understanding and, and not having ways to express that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was tough. Um, I think, I guess in a nutshell, I would say know yourselves, but mm-hmm. be open to God saying, I have a way that I'm going to refine you a little bit here because that's what every step of this was. Yeah. It was all refining. And I am so thankful for the challenges that forced me to look at my life and to make some healing choices that I needed to make that I maybe wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have needed, felt like I needed to make Mm. if I could have just kept going because it wasn't really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's really helpful. It is really helpful. That's really your question. Jenna does a great job at all of the questions. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so kind of moving back into uh, Peace and Family Lines and, and the county at large and the need and the churches that are plugging in here. Um, one benefit that I have being a part of being a church rep for the Keystone, the Keystone Family Lines to Liberty is I sit in on these monthly rep meetings and hear like what different churches are doing in our area. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Like you were saying with the Francis Chan quote, like, a blip and at liberty church we cannot us as a single body will probably not put a giant debt to the foster care need mm-hmm. in in even our county but our state even larger but we can be a blip and if a bunch of churches be a blip that's a really big blip that's yes. a difference and so just you're really on the front lines of that mm-hmm. so i just want to hear and really have our church see and hear all the ways or just some of the major ways that god is working in our county through churches and people to like push this ball forward Yeah. The way I keep talking about it at our meetings is every church has a different DNA, just like every person does. And so when we use the body of Christ analogy, we can use it as individuals that we all have our role to play, but we can also use it as churches. And depending on where we're located, depending on what our buildings look like, depending what our properties look like, um, there are so many different things we can do and it's all needed. And so as each church Uh, The way Keystone Family Alliance works is I start talking with the church and then I ask them to partner with me. Mm -hmm. Partnering means that they're going to bring awareness in their congregations. They're going to pick a representative to come to the meetings, to hear what the needs are, to then go back to the congregation. But I'm also going to commit to helping you through whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, um, we have had churches that have very large foster care ministries and have actually been doing it longer than Keystone Family Alliance has been around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those churches tend to have more families that are actually fostering, and then they have more care communities around those foster families. There have been some churches that, you know, they're they're the, I, I don't want this to sound wrong, but they maybe are the money bags of yeah. the kingdom. And so they can 
purchase things, when there are some big needs for families or for CYS, that they can actually do those things yep. that some of the rest of our churches cannot. Mm. Um, I have a church that is almost always the first one to say, yeah, you can use my building. Mm. And I think that's amazing because that's one less thing I have to worry about when I'm planning a meeting or a fundraiser or a training day that I don't have to call five different churches. I know which one is most likely going to open the doors to me. And so I think to me, that has been the most beautiful thing, watching each church find the way that they are designed and created to serve in the place that God has placed that church and the people he has placed in that church. Yeah. And I do think for each church, it's, the, you know, I think there's always an asking, is there more? Is there a next step? Yeah. Can you be challenged a little further? Yes. But we all have yeah. to start where we start, yeah. just like we do as individuals. Yeah. So we're continuously, even as churches at the church level, evaluating and understanding how God has wired us and designed us and the, the gifts he's given us, but also asking for him to do more. So yeah. kind of even like we talked about in the sermon today, longing more for to be conformed to his image, but also for to show more mercy and justice. And yeah. that's, that's like a, a fun little interplay. And it's cool to think about that, this idea, like we are a local body here at Liberty Church, but we're also part of this bigger body, the universal church. And, and we can look up from, you know, how God is using us here in this congregation and celebrate and learn from and lock arms with other brothers and sisters in other churches to move the ball down the field, which is yeah. really, really fun. Yeah, I think a lot of times churches have had adversarial relationships sometimes. Yeah. Also, mm -hmm. you know, um, we do our thing, they do their thing, there's little yeah. connection, you know, we have yeah. different beliefs, and there's too much focus on that. But what would happen if we were the body mm -hmm. as bodies as churches, and we came together, and we each played our role in that way. And mm -hmm. yes, we can do so much more together. Yeah. And I believe that's what God intended yeah. for his body to be. So in that vein, then like, what is your kind of vision then for the future mm -hmm. of family advocacy alongside of this new role that you're going to be hopefully stepping into when you find your current replacement and all those things for this region? What What is uh, the big picture vision then for KFA in, in Cumberland County and beyond? Yeah. So for Cumberland County, the big picture is just more churches stepping up because I, I truly believe this is what we are called to do. And I think sometimes as I've talked to churches, there's kind of a a concern that if they focus on foster care ministry, then that's too narrow because there's so many needs out there. Mm -hmm. But what I have found is actually the opposite happens, mm -hmm. that when you start by saying to a congregation, there are all these needs out there, go find the one that God has called you to serve in. It's too much. It's too big. Yeah. How do you find your thing? How mm -hmm. do you know where the needs are or where the ministries yeah. are? What I have found is that by churches starting with foster care, by breaking people's heart for this sometimes innocent little baby, mm. you know, yes, we also bring foster or teens in, but a lot of times there are babies that come and, and when yeah. you can break someone's heart for this baby that played no role mm. in their being in foster care. That opens the door to more messages about it, more conversations about it, more mm -hmm. awareness. And yeah. when there's more awareness, then we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so I've found and I've heard from the churches that have been doing this for a longer time, foster care is where they start. But then they start to hear people say, you know what? I recognize that foster care is very connected to fatherlessness mm -hmm. and 
single parenting and mom, single moms in particular. Yeah. And, you know, I've been watching my neighbor who is yeah. a single mom and I realized there are some things I can do to support her Yeah, because she could be one of those moms or, mm-hmm. you know, I recognize how much homelessness is connected to foster care. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of Googled, you know, what kind of ministries are out there. And so now I'm starting. So what I found is foster care is how people's hearts are broken. Mm-hmm. But then their all eyes are opened, yeah. And then they see the the other needs around them. So if I hear, I'm hearing you correctly. You're saying in your experience, you've seen that as churches are opening their hearts to the orphan, yes, that they're starting to be able to see the widow, yes, and the poor, yes, and the you know, the, yeah. those that are not from here are aliens. All of yes. those things, those biblical categories that I think the people of God are uniquely equipped yes. throughout all time and space to care for, yes, um, because. The law of God gives us the parameters and the ways that we can actually do that well, which right. is awesome. Right. But if we just say, go do it, yeah, right. that's too much. How do you go find it? How do you, uh-huh. you know, it's too much. And sometimes some mm. of these areas can be scary to step into. Fair. So this one is one that, okay, yeah, I, I can sign up for to support foster and adoptive families. And then I might be able to see, oh, you know what? I actually could do this. Yeah. Or now I see the other needs around me because mm. of this. Mm, that's really helpful. Um, the other thing I would love to see for this region, and I think it is a great goal, um, there is a story that comes from Texas about Bishop Blake. Mm-hmm. And Bishop Blake was found out about the crisis uh, in foster care. And so he and his wife decided to step up and be foster parents. So he went to his congregation and he told them about this. And his question to them was, this is what we're going to do. Who is going to stand with me? Mm. And one by one, people stood up. And within a couple of years, that county in Texas was the only county in Texas, and I believe in the whole United States, that had more families waiting for children than children waiting for families. I would love to see mm. us get to that point. Yeah. Like, I, I love what's happening between Keystone Family Alliance and children and youth yeah. and how much favor that Keystone Family Alliance and the churches working with us are having with children and youth and the times that I'm hearing that they're saying to a, an agency or a ministry, like, yeah, we can't help you, but call Keystone Family Alliance. That's mm-hmm. akin to the government saying, call the church. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And people's eyes have to be open to that. They have to be seeing, yeah. you know, God's people stepping up to do what we were called to do in the first place. Yeah. And it's because we failed yeah. that we had to ask the government to help. Mm-hmm. And the government has done a really poor job of parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For obvious reasons, number <laughs> number of yeah. reasons, and so we're just doing what we were supposed to do in the first place. Yeah. So how this is a really it's another off book question here, but I think it goes into what you were saying. I think it's really important for people to see and understand too. Since you started with Keystone Family Alliance in this area, how have you seen that relationship with uh, children youth services grow? It has been amazing. Mm-hmm. So some of our counties, it takes a long time. And one of our counties recently, um, when the coordinator reached out to them, their response was, oh, no, separation of church and state. I can't work with you. I can't come to your event. Hmm. Um, I did not have that at all. I was hired in August of 2022. And in November of that year, I had my first event, which was what used to be Orphan Sunday, now called Stand Sunday because of that Bishop Blake story. And I invited CYS to come speak to tell us what are the needs in the county. And they came and did an excellent job. And in that 10 minutes, the director of 
CYS was able to say, here's why we need more foster families. Here's why we need people to support foster families. And here's why we need people to support us. So afterward, I had a more in-depth conversation with her. And I said, I would love this to be a part of what we do in Cumberland County. And that was where we came up with the third Thursdays. Mm-hmm. That the third Thursday of every month, a church, person, family, business, ministry, somebody is blessing them with breakfast, brunch, lunch, or snacks. Mm-hmm. That has been amazing. And in several ways, one being they originally told me we have about 90 caseworkers, well, but they're not all in the office on a given day. So whoever brings the food, tell them to bring it for about 70. A couple of months in, they said, you better change that to 90 because now our staff knows that it's coming. They all want to be here on the third Thursday. That was the first thing. Yeah. So we're we're getting to bless so many people. That's awesome. The second thing was um, a local ministry that ministers to older foster children asked if they could do one of those. And I said, absolutely. And she and I had a conversation, you know, what was, what could this be like? It, It could be healing for these former foster youths to go back to CYS and bless them, or there could be some challenges with that. Well, she told me a couple of months later, she said about a month after they took the meal, she said they had a meeting with some CYS workers. And prior to that, a lot of times those meetings were, she used the term adversarial. Mm. She said, since we blessed them that day that we went, it was like we were friends. It was Mm. a much different tone in that meeting. Mm. And then that was also one of those situations where, what this ministry wanted help with, CYS was unable to meet that need, but they said, well, have you contacted Keystone Family Alliance? Wow. So I just see amazing things happening here. Um, I had a pastor's breakfast this past fall and asked CYS to send me four or five people to be on a panel. They did an excellent job. Again, I asked them to share about what do you do and what are your needs and how can the church help? So not only did they come and sit in front of a group of pastors, but they answered the question, how can churches help you? Mm -hmm. So I just see so many doors Mm -hmm. opening and I, you know, I'm sure there are believers in CYS, but I know that there are people there who are not and they have to be asking themselves, why are these people choosing to do this? Yeah. Who are these crazy people people that take time out of their day to bring us a meal? Mm -hmm. And what a way to be like a light to our community. There's a, there's a, it's hard to envision a a way we can do that better. Yeah. being and helping to solve the foster care crisis in our county and caring for people who are on the front lines of that. Yes. Um, So now to kind of phase into the the last question here, on the tail end of that question, what are some key ways that our people can be involved and even pray for what, for needs and what's going on in our county? Yeah. So I always say, start with Gateway. Gateway is the easiest way. Although I also don't want people to think that I think serving is supposed to be easy Yeah. because I don't. It, it comes with a take up a cross. I think, I think your story proves <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. It comes with, uh, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves and this will be a burden, but it also comes with, I will walk with you and be in community where other people will walk with you. Mm-hmm. But Gateway is an easy way. Gateway is an online portal where we have caseworkers sign up on one side. When a caseworker has a need for a biological family, kinship family, foster family, they can post that need. It can be for things like beds and cribs. It can be diapers. It can be for a mentor. Mm -hmm. I know that's happened a couple of times where it's been a biological parent 
who knows that they need mentors that are going to walk with them so that they don't fall back into the things that got their children taken away from them in the first place. Hmm. Uh, and there's some really neat stories of those so like needs. Healthy being parents yeah. maybe coming yeah. alongside mm-hmm. of them. Okay. One in particular was a young mom, and, and I believe she had even requested it, saying, I, I know I need people to support me. Wow. And so the person that stepped up was a part of a church, which happened to be in close distance to this mother and her children. And so the mother started bringing her children to the church. Mm -hmm. So she didn't just get one mentor. She got a whole church full. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And then we all, everybody signs up on Gateway as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And the more people we have, the more likely needs are going to get met. Mm -hmm. And I told the story at church this morning, but I think it's a great example of, of serving somebody who had reunified with her children was doing really well, but was in a situation that could have set the ball rolling so that all would be for naught, that she could have ended up homeless again, which could have meant she lost her children. But because some people stepped up through the need on Gateway and said, yes, we will contribute to a new vehicle for for her, she didn't lose her job. She's able to pay the rent. She's able to continue going to work and she's able to keep her kids in her home. So I think that's just a beautiful way that Gateway serves a need. Um, last year when I was here, we barely had 50 people on Gateway on the volunteer side. We now have close to 200. Wow. The goal through Keystone Family Alliance is 525 in every county. Wow. So we have a long way to go for there, but we're on our way. We're well on our way. Hmm. Care communities is another great way to serve. Foster parenting is difficult. The first child who came into our home, we actually call her our Disney World adoption. We haven't had those trauma behaviors. We haven't had a lot of difficulties, but every single one of our other adoptions has been difficult. And as I've said before, hurt children hurt people, Hmm. just like hurt people hurt people. And so if we can support foster families as they are walking alongside children who are struggling to heal from their trauma. That is going to go so far in the lives of everyone. So care communities are engineered communities of support with four to five people walking alongside a foster adoptive kinship family. Um, The third Thursdays I've mentioned supporting CYS. Um, Yeah, it might be a lot of work for one day, but it's one day and it it goes so far. Which I think maybe our Liberty Seniors. They did did an amazing job. Things for that at one point. They did. Remember that correctly? They did that last year. And I just talked to somebody about possibly doing that again this year. Um, I pretty much have most of the whole year still open starting in February. So anyone can do that. Individuals, small groups, Bible studies, you know, be creative. And it it doesn't have to be a lot. I know. I think I at one church, I think, did a taco bar. One did sandwiches. One did snacks. Uh, the children's ministry collected boxed snacks. You can do whatever, it yeah. can, you know. Um, and then I'm also looking for businesses to step up and say, kind of like how as individuals, we all have a way to serve. As churches, we have a way to serve. What about businesses? Um, so here are some examples One of our counties, there's a local fast food restaurant that gives children and youth services gift cards for a free meal. Mm. So when a family receives a child into foster care, they get one of those so that their first night, that's one less thing you have to worry about. You know, so if we had some restaurants or some fast food places willing to do that, um, I have a hair salon that will give reduced rate haircuts to foster children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a massage therapist who has drastically reduced her rates for foster parents. So there's so many ways that you could just bless kinship foster families mm-hmm. by taking what you have, what you do, and figuring out a way to 
to be a blessing. Um, at Christmas time, I know there were some businesses that asked their employees to bring something to the Christmas dinner to be donated to a ministry. So to find out what those needs are, I have a newsletter that people can sign up for. It comes out at the middle of the month and it tells them what those different needs are for different ministries. Prayer. I just think continued prayer for foster families. If you know someone, pray for them by name. If not, pray for the county foster families. Mm -hmm. Pray that they can stay in the position that they can foster longer and stronger, that people will support them. Mm -hmm. Pray for those biological families. Uh, They've got a lot of work to do to receive their kids back. And and it's hard work. It's sometimes addiction work. It's sometimes anger management. it could be getting jobs, finding housing. That's, that's hard when you don't have the resources. Pray for the caseworkers. Again, if you know a caseworker, pray for them by name. If not, just pray in general for the county caseworkers. If you want to get the needs on a monthly basis, I also have a prayer newsletter that goes out yeah. at the beginning of each month. Um, you can also join us online the second Monday of every month for lunchtime prayer for foster care. Just mm-hmm. get online for a couple of minutes and, and pray together. There are a ton of ways. A ton. A ton. And even so more many. than that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I mean, do you just want to pray for some of these things, Anthony, yeah. so that we can actually practice yeah. being yeah. a part of this process? Pray for some of those things. Pray for Cindy, sure. it, especially as you're transitioning and looking for this person to fill this role. Yes. Yeah. And then we'll uh, wrap things up. Sounds good. Father, thank you so much for this time with Cindy this morning. Thank you that she was able to come and share with our people and share on this podcast all the many ways that you're working in our county mm-hmm. uh, and through your people to care for these kids and families. Uh, Father, I pray for Cindy. I pray as she transitions to this new role. Uh, she seems so excited about it, and it seems like it's right in her sweet spot. And thank you that she is able to continue to work toward this end, to work toward uh, res- uh, resourcing. Uh, and equipping churches and ministries and your body and caseworkers uh, to care for these kids well. Father, I pray that you would bless those efforts. I pray that you would continue to keep her energy high and her will strong as she continues to labor um, to this end. Father, I pray for uh, the Keystone Family Alliance that the the right coordinator uh, would find this job, that they would take this job and continue right where Cindy has left off. And then they continue to work together uh, to continue to push Cumberland County toward caring for these families well. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, I pray for our church and also the churches in our area that you would you would prick our hearts, uh, that you would provide us a, an unsettledness to how we are not involved, to think through how we can be, uh, from prayer to giving snacks to caseworkers, to considering foster care, being a care community. There are so many ways that we all can be involved. Mm-hmm. So through your spirit, continue to prep our hearts, continue to push us. We know that your spirit does that. It moves us in ways that sometimes make us uncomfortable. Um, but your spirit is good and you will provide what we need uh, as we seek to serve you and love people with love that we can show. Mm-hmm. So Father, continue to work in that way. Um, bless the work of our hands and let us be a people who care for those who are vulnerable all around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Cindy, thank you for being a person that has not only challenged Liberty Church in this area of family advocacy, uh, but also being a person that has come along so many of the people in our church as they as they've stepped into this space, especially even us, our family, and the way that we've thought about this and what our future holds. So we're really thankful for that. Uh, You're welcome. You're a a hearer and doer of the word, but also an encourager, which is uh, really cool and I think really rare, even 
in church context sometimes. So, so thank you for doing that. Thank you for challenging our church to think about this holistically yeah. uh, and to challenge themselves to just take even more steps further uh, to lay their lives down for the sake of vulnerable kids and their families uh, and all the different moving parts of all of that. Uh, any closing thoughts? Well, I think Anthony? we got you back for one more podcast later this month, right? I think so. Yeah, I Maybe, think we do we too. We had talked about well, it. We, I we, think we discussed so. it. We did discuss it. I yes, we did. It's live on air. Yes. What yes. a better way to ask. Yes. Um, With the caveat, because I have a grandchild exactly. coming, yeah. and when that j- grandchild comes, I will be there. There's so we're praying that that the time of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they actually called yeah. me last night, and when I saw their name on my phone, I thought, uh-oh. Oh, no. But the first thing out of her mouth was no baby, so we're okay. good. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, um, we're relying on your expertise. So. Okay. Yeah. So yes. If the baby waits a little bit. We're going to do a Q&A <laughs> podcast at the end of this month with Cindy, our resident expert here. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're discussing this, guys, uh, we know there'll be a ton of questions and we hope there's questions. Yes. We hope this, yes. kicks up, uh, this kicks up questions and things for you to think through and, and ways that you're processing and wrestling through all this. So please ask those. Yes. You can send them to Anthony at Liberty.org. That's me. Jenna at, at liberty.org. Mm-hmm. That's Jenna. Or you can use the QR code on the back of your bulletin and submit a B-side question. You can do it there um, and submit those questions to us. And and on that note, I would say uh, Cindy is available to you. Yes. I, I did not ask permission to tell you that, but I know no, she please. is available to <laughs> yes. you. She would love to, to serve you and your family if you're asking questions about maybe stepping into these spaces and what that could look like in your life. But um, you can also reach out to Anthony as well. If you're in Liberty Church, you're exploring these processes. He's connected with Cindy and the Keystone Family Alliance. He's going to these meetings and he would love to help serve you in knowing where we're going as a church as it relates to this initiative as well. Yep. So uh, make sure that you do those things. Uh, Cindy, any final thoughts for uh, for the, the Liberty Harrisburg listeners? My final thoughts would be along with your thank yous from just a little while ago would be my thank yous to Liberty I just love what's happening here. I love the heart. I love the messages from the front. I, I love, thank you for the wonderful financial contribution that you made in December. That, that was huge. That's amazing. So thank you. Um, God has great things in store here. And I do believe it's going to go way beyond foster care and an orphan ministry and way beyond fatherlessness. It's it's opening people's hearts and minds and eyes and ears to what the needs are and God's blessing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, this has been another episode of the Liberty B-Side podcast. If you have those questions, guys, send them our way uh, and we'll make sure that we address them at the end of the month. For better or for worse, uh, have a great week, and we love you guys. Signing off, this is Jenna. Anthony. And Cindy. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.